Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. Well, I hope you're all right out there in podcast land, doing well. What month are we in now? We're in February. It's all, uh, it's all going well. It's all uh, happening. The year's kind of ticking on by, which is really strange to think, but there we are. Um, this week, I've actually got an interview with Jim and Owen of When Nothing Works. They're, a, a, frankly, a great act full of energy and one I really hope to see live sometime. And if you hear some of the stories about their live gigs, you'll maybe understand why. Um, this week, we chat about all sorts of things like being hobbled by lockdown, how that really kind of halted the band's progress. Getting your emotions to work for you when playing live and how to harness them to make a better live set, ultimately. And, frankly, making sure you have fun and just don't take it too seriously because that's important. Um, it's worth saying before we go on with the interview that I have had one of the worst flus for my voice. Uh, my voice basically disappeared and um, the guys were very gracious with me because I recorded this interview with a not the best voice, as you'll very, very rapidly hear. So sorry about that. But there we are. Such is life. I'm not talking that much, so it's fine. Um, anyway, I'm just going to say on with the episode. This week on the podcast, I have been joined by Jim and Owen of When Nothing Works. How are you both? Good, thank you. Very How, well, are thank you. you? How are you? Uh, yeah, the less said about how I am, the better, I think. It's not COVID, so, you know. Bit croaky, but it adds... Uh, Very croaky. Yeah, nice bit of grit in the vocals. Now's the time to do my growling vocals, even though my voice would hate me for it. Um, so, as always, my first question is from a random question generator. So, the question to both of you is, if you were offered the position of mayor of your city, would you take it? Oh, that is a weird one. Um, yes. So I could nuke it off the earth. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, I would I would politely decline uh, because even the freedom of where I live would not be f- good enough for me to want to take that job. <laughs> Is it a small place? Is it not like a metropolis? Or uh, it's it's out of London. Um, okay. Commuter belt land, but. Uh, in one of the shires. Nice place to live. Um, not this part. Not this part. Oh, though. okay. I take that back then. I, I, re- I rescind that entire comment. Um, so my first real question is, how did you both get into music in the first place? I I won't say I grew up in a musical family because I'm the only musician in it. So it's a completely superfluous statement. Uh, but we were always had music on in the house. So I grew up on a, a very healthy diet of like Madness and Queen and Bowie and the Beatles. So um, when I got to an age where I started like going, I like this kind of music. Uh, I really wanted to be Brian May, and I kind of still do, but just don't, I don't have the hair for it anymore. I don't have hair anymore, really. Uh, <laughs> so when I got to secondary school, uh, we we just got a new music teacher, and he played the guitar, and I was like, "Can you teach me how to play the guitar?" And he went, "Yes." And that was 22 years ago, and it's been a very, very, very expensive journey since then, collecting guitars and amplifiers. Um, I've got a few. So I can see. <laughs> yeah, um, I was. I got into music via... Uh, I got into heavier music via wrestling. Like, back in the... When I was growing up, it was like, obviously, the new metal scene was massive. Watching the wrestling, WWF or WWE, WCW, ECW, ECW specifically, like helped give me a few of them bands. 
like Man, uh, Man in the Box by Alice in Chains. Like, love that song. Um, River of Deceit by Mad Season, love that song. And they were on like ECW shows and I was like, oh my God, this these are amazing. And then uh, I really, really, really got into like the British rock scene and the metalcore scene in like 2002. Like that was the real sort of thing that sort of dr- drove me a lot. Like Killswitch Engage and Biffy Clyro, 100 Reasons, Raging Speed On, uh, Misery Signals, Unearth, you know, um, it just started us on a path along those and those two sort of like genres I really really loved um, and then that's pretty much how I did and then I just I remember in school everyone was like they wanted to be like Chester from Linkin Park or Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach or whatever and I just wanted to be like Colin from Under the Reasons you know some skinny bean pole with a ginger afro and I was like that's my guy that's my guy and everyone was like you're weird and I was like I know. That's an inspiring story. I mean, it, it, I, th- I think I grew up about the same time, so everyone was like, there was that pop punk. Those were like the big things around when I was growing up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, completely get where you're both um, coming from. So, you both kind of find yourself in this kind of musical environment, as it were, um, around school and people you know and kind of uh, TV shows and things like that. So, um, and you start kind of playing your instruments. How did the band get together? How did that kind of get from that point to, to the band starting? We, so we, uh, it originally started. So Adam and Ben were in a band called Our Condolences and they broke up. And then I think it was around February, 2020. Uh, I tried out for them cause I had a couple of demos. They posted a couple of demos and I heard them and uh, I tried out for them, which ended up both being coward and hungover guilt which were the two singles. Um, so that's how that came about. So we did that. Um, that's how I joined. And then it was a couple of months later, obviously COVID hit or well, a couple of weeks later COVID hit. And then we sort of went on hiatus after a few months. Cause it was just, wasn't, it was just like, this is just going to work. Like we just, we were still trying to make stuff happen, but it was just like, this isn't going to work. And then it was illegal to make music or be in the same room together. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So in, anyway, eventually we got back together with, and that's how Owen joined because I recommended Owen and we got Michael in on bass who was, who originally was going to join us on the first go around, but then obviously COVID hit and we just went, nah, like we just went, nah, well, we're not going to bother. So COVID kind of put a pause and everything as it were. And then yeah, would it be 2021 when you kind of properly got going yeah I, I joined august 2021 august was it J- july or august i think we were doing rehearsals um because yeah we could go out and do stuff again but i mean covid looking back at like the history of the band covid kind of hit at the worst possible time but we still managed to get we had the the three singles uh pre-recorded um and we kindly kind of drip thread them over 2020 um but of course not being able to go out and to and you know play shows to support them um was massively weird um obviously i wasn't in a band at the time but i was a fan straight away because you know me and jim have been friends for what 15 odd years it seems or we've known each other for that long um so yeah i was a fan of the band immediately and uh yeah i was like do you need a new guitar player and jim went yes we did do a live stream we did do a live stream which again that was before i joined that was the original lineup and uh 
that was actually our old bassist James's last show with us, which was his second show with us. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was that, and that was cool. That was in Chelmsford, and that was really really cool. That was just cool to be able to do something like that. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a weird time. It was a really weird time, wasn't it? It gave Ben his favourite quote ever of mine. We were just talking, and I just went internet and that was it <laughs> ben has quoted that forever that, that was how you introduced the set internet fair enough i mean <laughs> this is a good way to introduce it's hard to do that in camden you could try it'd be a bit weird but you know see what happens so um what was your first gig like as a as a band um i'm gonna say post lockdown because that's kind of when he kind of got towards the current lineup i'm gonna uh i'm gonna quickly do the first show we did pre-Owen, if that's cool, because our first show was on the 13th of March, 2020. And then three days later, we went into lockdown. So our first show was that. I hadn't played a show in about seven years. I then ended up playing two in one night because we opened, When Nothing Works opened for uh, Compounds and someone else whose name I can't remember. But we opened for them. And then the, the Compounds vocalist, he couldn't make it. He was living in Hull at the time and he couldn't make it. He was ill. I think he'd actually come down with COVID. He couldn't make it. So I had to stand in for him as well. So I hadn't played a show in years and then I played two in one, two in one go. As far as um, post lockdown, it was the Black Cart with the 500, I believe. It was, yep. And the Human Veil. Um, yeah, which we weren't expecting. We thought our first show back was going to be Castle Fest. Because we'd been put on the lineup for that, and uh, <laughs> it was weird because we'd gunned that up as gone. This is our comeback show. Woo! Castle Fest. Everyone come to Luton, and then we got a call going. Do you want to open at the Black Heart? Uh, and we went absolutely yes. Um, it's a great venue. It is. It was. It was such a weird. Like it was. That was my first time going back into a venue post COVID as well. Um, that's a lie. You saw my old band, The Boomsticks. No, you're right. Yes. Oh, no. I'm a dirty liar. Um, okay, that was my first gig in about eight years as well. Um, but no, it was, it was actually, yes, on top of Jim's uh, gig, The Boomsticks, at the San Moritz Club in Soho. It was weird going back into a sticky floored venue again and being in a very small enclosed space with loads of dirty, smelly grungers. And it was it was, it was was nice. Um despite how I described it. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember being so incredibly nervous because I'd not played a show in six or seven years at that, that stage. And the last show I'd played before that, I was a session guitarist for a pop musician. So it was very different. Um, uh, and yeah, I remember... <laughs> one of the bits I do remember about it is my guitar went uh, a whole half step out of tune during one of the songs because um guitar nerds among you i block off the tremolo with a bit of wood and that had come dislodged and it was perfectly a half step up Ouch. yeah so i managed to reel it back in in between songs but yeah that was the first of many many mess ups at gigs but <laughs> i find it enjoyable because i remember starting and we had a couple of people down the front and by the end of it, they had moved to the back because I had taken up the entire floor. Yeah, we're one of the few bands. Nobody, it, 
we don't bring anyone to our shows anyway, so it doesn't actually matter. But when we do have people at our shows and people do come and see us, they all stand at the back anyway because I take up the floor. We are one of the few bands that... That floor's mine. You're just welcome to we be We don't on tell it. people to come forward. We're just like, uh, you might want to stand back for this. This is Jim's world. We're all just living in it. Unusual. I've never seen that before. So I may have to come and witness this live in person. <laughs> um, you've reminded me, actually, I was going to go to a gig on the 13th of March 2020. And then the, the promoter cancelled it, but refused to give any money back. It was really odd. It was really strange. But there we are. Who are you due to see? Uh... Do you know, I can't remember. They don't exist as a band anymore. I know that to be true. Oh, fair enough. No, we, uh, I, I think the last thing I saw was Frank Turner. In fact, that was the last thing I saw, Frank Turner in Southend. Before he, um, and then like the next day it all went, no, that's it, no more. Like, that was it. And then the first gig I saw back properly, I went, like, I actually paid to see was Frank Turner. At like the, uh, what was it? The, uh, I can't remember the venue. No, it's absolutely gone out of my head, but I saw him and it was just unbelievable. Yeah, it was just, oh, what a show. I need to, I need to see Frank Turner. He's, he's on my list. Mate, I'll tell you what, there was um, people, because we went to, me and Owen went to the download pilot, and there was people that saw Frank Turner who didn't even, because Frank Turner had lined the second stage, and there was people that didn't even like Frank Turner, and he was just, everyone was just like, that was like the best band of the day. Like, he was the best actor of the weekend. Like, because he just, he encapsulated everything that everyone had been feeling for like, the entire like 18 months in like an hour it was just like perfect he had me welling up he really because he started going on about i work in the audio industry and he started going on about all the people self-employed people that lost their jobs music venues trusts we make events all those people and he started seeing songs about oh it's just rock and roll it's just like i won't say i wasn't a fan but i'd never really listened to frank turner and i was i was converted that night i was weeping and uh and then we went and saw bullet <laughs> Who were disappointing, <laughs> and they were very average. Oh, oh dear. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, <laughs> live and learn. <laughs> so, have you guys had any like nightmare experience gigs where everything's gone wrong? Um, I'm sensing that's a yes, but well, we'll instantly mention we played a show in Luton, and that was a disaster of epic proportions. Um, it was just awful. Like I was really, really gutted. Um, Owen's guitar absolutely died. Um, Adam's double pedals wouldn't stay on the um, bass drum. They kept slipping off because it was too small. I ended up vol—I <laughs> volleyed a monitor like my name was Kevin Phillips. I was just like, I've had enough. I like booted a monitor and it, I just booted it because I was so pissed off. And the next thing I know is it's gone flying at Owen. And I was just like, oh, oh I didn't mean to do that. Oh, I didn't mean to do it. I just saw it slide towards him and I was like, oh, no, that's bad. That's really, really It was bad. one of those shows where if it could go wrong, it did go wrong. Um, so was that that was was that the one that Ben wasn't at? That was like March last year, wasn't it? Because we did Luton twice in, in like the space of a month. I got a chest infection after that show. Oh, there we go. That was I got a chest infection after that show as well. I just remembered that. But that also might have something to do with the fact I ran outside in like two degree temperature in just me jeans. Yeah, it's not a good idea. And then finish the show in my boxes. Oh, yeah, you started stripping off, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember it now. What? Why? Dare I ask? I got angry, and when I get angry, I do weird, weird things sometimes. I'm getting that impression. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was one of those things, like, because I remember, so we have two tunings in the set, C-sharp and C, and we just play, we're, 
one song short of switching tunings and finishing the set in that one. And I could feel my guitar kind of just going out, cutting in and out. And it's even more noticeable when it, when Ben wasn't there. So it was just me. like, And it was, it was a loose bit of solder or something like that. Um, I ended up replacing a part on the guitar just to be sure. But yeah, so there's me worrying about bugger that this is my main guitar that's i mean i've got plenty behind me i've got like about 13 but um yeah this is my main guitar that i use all the time that's that's probably crapped out on me uh and i jim's announcing the next song i'm like jim jim i can't play the next song i literally have no signal and i can't tune the other one up because it's i've stopped using this guitar now it's the locking trem system so you can't just you can't just tune it up willy-nilly um yeah that's been retired now after many many incidents with it. yeah that was the other reason i got angry that was like because i remember i was going to announce like okay we're going to play something else and like they literally went into it before i could say anything and i was just like right i've had enough and that was it i just lost it that was it i just lost my mind other than that most of the shows we play are actually really really good that's, that's at least that's a positive did you but that's the one you said you did stand out sure you said you played luton twice in quick succession was it the same venue yes yeah the castle tavern in luton um and yeah we love that venue and we love those yeah, boys yeah shout out to them look for one, a booking us so many times and b just always like having a great sounding show for what is t- a tiny little kind of stone floored pub with what looks like a massive PA system for the venue. Um, it, it always sounds good. We can always hear ourselves, even when our guitars are breaking on stage. But yeah, that that was the thing. Playing there, we we did like a mini tour to promote um, uh, one of our singles, Headaches. And yeah, we, we supported Hounds. That was it, on a Saturday in Luton. And um, yeah, that show was the complete polar opposite of the previous show because everything just went right. It was a great sounding set. The guys in Hounds were lovely to us. Not that the other bands weren't uh, the other ones, but yeah, it was just it was just a good vibe all all round. Um, and yeah, that, was, that felt like redemption a little bit. And we sold out of all our shirts that day. Yes, we sold we sold all of our shirts. Yeah, on that on that little run of shows, which is madness. So moving over a little bit to a different area of the band, um, where and what's your kind of approach to rehearsing as a band? Do you have any particular things that you do we kind of just get in a room um and and kind of just hash out the song so adam who writes a lot a majority of the stuff um will record it at home because he plays guitar and bass and drums as well so he'll send us demos and videos uh of to learn stuff which is incredibly helpful to me because i don't know theory and i'm a visual learner so i'll learn stuff like that then we go to where we were the other day card trick studios in uh chelmsford um we we go into a room there three or four hours either if we're rehearsing for a show we'll play for a set if we're wanting to write new stuff uh like we did on sunday we'll we'll bounce ideas off each other or just go hey remember that riff that i sent you uh yada 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 um and uh yeah sometimes jim keeps his clothes on at practice (laughs) yeah that's the only uh that's the only time i ever really do to be fair although there was that one time i came uh there was this one time at practice I came running in and I was wearing just uh, sandals and a massive windbreaker, a Sutherland FC windbreaker with Invest in Africa on the back, their old sponsor. And everyone was like, what are you doing? And it's me just running about in this windbreaker, just a pair of boxes underneath. 
At least you had the box for some. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I was a bit disappointed in myself. It was cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to do it if it's cold. Do you not, do you, is, do you not have like a hot and sweaty rehearsal room? That's been my experience of rehearsal rooms. In the summer times, those rooms can, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the other day, it was, it was a, a decent temperature, um, considering it's kind of in the middle of nowhere-ish uh, outside of Chelmsford. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> That, that foam padding on the walls must do something more than soundproofing. It's quite insulated. Um, and they do have a little fan extractor in the corner. Uh, I remember when we rehearsed there last summer, uh, we rehearsed on a particularly warm day and we're just sweating beads, just going, can we not go straight into the next song? I need to like wipe down my fretboard and <laughs> oh, <laughs> stop melting. Grim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I at least... I don't remember that one. Was that last year? We, we, then we get really warm. We probably did, but I don't remember it. We probably had the lights off. Like, uh, I think it's just because it, I think it all blended into one, but I, I didn't remember that one. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe it was all, all in your head. Um, <laughs> so, so you said that um, in terms of songwriting, um, you've got one band member who comes with like quite fleshed out ideas. And then when you get it into the rehearsal room, is it very much a case of this is the song, this is how it goes, or do you start to tweak it and work with it in that kind of way? It's mostly just this is how it goes, but there are the odd occasion when it does need a little tweak in here or there. Yeah, I think it sometimes depends on how far in the process it is. If it's, like with some of the stuff that I bring, I kind of, I'll try and record it at home here, um, but I'll always go, look, what can be added to it? Because um, not all of mine are fully fleshed out. They'll, sometimes it would just be a riff, and another riff and can we mash them together adam comes with like more finished product um and stuff that's kind of pretty much ready to go um so yeah th there's little bits where we, where we sometimes do you know sprinkle the fairy dust on top and go yeah let's add let's add a widdly bit there or, or a noodly bit there um but yeah wow widdly bit and the noodly bit yeah oh yeah you gotta have the noodles and the whittles what about what about lyrics? Is that something that tends to? That is all all Jim. Yeah, I'm the uh, lyric and vocal master on that one. Um, no lyrics just come with anything. I'll just um, I'll write it as soon as uh, like Adam, and I'll admit this is where Adam comes in advantage, and Ben sometimes does as well. Um, not so much Owen, but that's not disregarding Owen. That's more because as Owen said, he sometimes just has a bit of a song where it's like I can't write anything to that with Adam. And sometimes Ben will be like, here's the song finished, completed, or the majority of it, so I can write the lyrics to it. And it's just a case of, yeah, I'll just write to that. So that always comes last, and then I've got the vocal ideas in my head. Or sometimes I'll just sit at home and I'll try and piece it together that way. Sometimes uh, I'll go to Adam's as well, and we'll record some demos and stuff so people can hear it and go, okay, cool. So it's helpful. The idea of demoing is, I think, quite underrated by a lot of bands that you can really hammer down your ideas because it's one, it's one thing when you're playing it and it sounds great, but it's another thing to objectively just listen to it when you're not playing or singing and go, does this actually sound any good or not, <laughs> to be blunt? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a massive godsend and uh, it is handy to have. Again, because it also lets me get chucking some ideas for vocals and stuff and I can go back to it afterwards and go, actually, you know what? That could do with less of that or that can do with more of that. So we can go back to it and experiment with it. Yeah, you can build a song and then if 
a vocal structure leaf doesn't fit with you can kind of you know oh let's move that verse to that part let's move that chorus to you know let's not have it as a standard aba form or anything like that well speaking of adam e because i was trying to figure out on our latest single which we'll play later which we'll finish on he was like uh oh yeah I, i couldn't figure out this last bit of the song like the last verse i was like i can't structure that bit and he was like well let's listen to the uh let's listen to the original He'd gone and mashed up my song to how he wanted to fit it. So when he was like, oh, that's how it went. I went, it's not how it went because you changed it all around. You you moved it all about. And he was like, that's how it was. And I was like, no, it wasn't. You're lying, Adam. You're wrong. I, I know how the song went. I sang the thing. You just edited it all to how you wanted to have it fit. So the demo is very useful. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the crux of that. <laughs> Seems so. Yeah, that's my takeaway. Fair enough. Um. So you've you've got your in this I don't know take a particular song whichever one it is you've got your demo and you've um, brought it into the rehearsal room and you've worked out kind of any anything that needs to be worked out and got it all resolved and you want to record it. What's your approach to recording? Do you go into the studio? Do you do it at home? Is it a blend of those things? Um, what do you how do you approach that? Originally, for the right so for the three singles I can vouch for this for the three singles. Adam recorded it all because obviously COVID hit and it was like, we were going to go into Cartridge studio and I think we were going to do it all there. Um, then COVID hit. So Adam went, right, I'll just record it all at home. It's just going to be easier. And then I went to Cartridge and I did the vocals and they mixed it for us, I believe. Um, for the other singles, it was the same process. Adam would record, then I would go around to his and record some vocals. Um, and then for the EP, we were going to look at going into a studio. Uh, we didn't go into a studio. Adam recorded it all because he got bored of waiting for us to find the studio. And then I just recorded the vocals. And then Owen's friend, whose name, I, is it Jack? Jack, yeah. No, whose name? Jack. What is it? Jack, it is Jack. Owen's friend Jack was kind enough to mix it for us to make our EP sound massive. But for this EP, I'd like to, uh, or we would, well, I don't mind personally, but I know Owen and... Michael and Ben would like to record it, and Adam as well would like to record it in the studio. Yeah, it's got to. We've, we've. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We've had some heated discuss- discussions over this over the last couple of weeks, um, where, where we've got new music on the horizon and where we, you know, where we want to go forward with it. Um, and yeah, Jim's right. Like initially, the first three singles being through COVID, it's it was a matter of convenience and kind of legality, uh, and then it was just well. Have you seen how much recording studios are? We simply just couldn't record afford to record it. Um, we have been very fortunate to get like a lot of stuff done either on the cheap or for free. So Adam recording it at home is an absolute godsend. Um, and yeah, my mate Jack um, mastered the last EP for us, and he's doing our next single for us as well. Um, so yeah, but like Jim says, we want to get into a studio because even Adam's admitted like. It's all well and good being able to do it in one place. It's incredibly convenient. But, um, and this is no disrespect to his setup at home, which is actually quite good. It sounds different if you're in like a, a nice, decent treated room with lots of nice microphones and a separate engineer than in Adam's garage with, you know, kind of a couple of microphones um, and you spread about and then having to track everything through uh attenuators and things like to not 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 annoying the neighbors so yeah we we have uh 
provisionally got a studio sorted for for the next set of recordings um yes potentially uh, i just it's again we're doing it on the cheap because i actually went and contacted my old university who have got some really good studios so i was like have you got any third years looking for a project That's handy so yeah fingers crossed cool so there's a bit of a kind of changing picture when it comes to recording and he's still kind of I guess, working out what works best for you as a band overall. Yeah, essentially, I mean, there's no right or wrong way um, in the grand scheme of things with it. You know, you can absolutely go and pay and go into a recording studio and get a decent product. On the flip side of that, you could go into a studio and get a really, you know, (laughs) at the end of it, a crap product coming out the other end of it. Um, But yeah, it it depends on what, how you're recording, who's recording, who's recording it, what you're recording on. There's so many like variables in it. I think that's what has been a consistent and been a good thing with our previous recordings. There is a constant in it being, okay, it's always Adam's recording setup. It's always this room. It sounds this way. Um, and not trying to move away from that to you know change things. It's it's a kind of a progression to see if it if it changes it for the better. And and honestly, if these sound rubbish, we'll just go back into Adam's garage um, and literally be a garage band. Are you recording it on GarageBand as well, or are you? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a rich Tory daddy, so he uh, he uses Pro Tools. No, no, I use Pro Tools. He's not a Tory, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, what does he use? He logic? uses Logic. I'm, I'm the idiot who uses Pro Tools. Oh, he's rich and a Tory. He's not a Tory, but we call him a Tory because he's rich. He owns a drum kit. Uh, I'm I'm a studio one guy, so I'm I'm the weirdo. Our guitarist Ben absolutely battered me earlier. He killed me. Adam was like, I feel really ill. I've been really, really rough. I feel sick. And Adam, Ben just put, did you not get your monthly 10K pay packet? I was like, oh, brilliant, 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 brilliant. God bless him. That's brutal. Wow. Um, Where to go from there? (laughs) So, oh, sure. That's the next question that feels sort of timely. Um, How's the band managed? Is there someone in the band who's kind of quote unquote in charge or do you share out tasks between you depending on what it is? How do you go about that kind of thing? Yes. I don't do anything in the band apart from shout into a microphone. Um, <laughs> I don't deny it though. Uh, well, I mean, to be fair, and Jim will admit to like fully admit to this, Jim doesn't do social media um, uh, at all. Uh And I do too much of it. <laughs> that's, that's, so I... Yeah. I flat out refused even before you joined. I was just like, I am not touching the socials at all. And and to be fair, I don't blame you sometimes. So uh, on like the socials, I I took up a lot of them um, when I jo- when I joined the band because uh, so both Jim and I actually used to work for HMV. Uh, and when I worked at HMV in various stores that I worked in, uh, I used to run the Twitter accounts. So I kind of had a good good eye for it, um, and uh, you know knowing what was uh what to tweet how to go not how to go viral but like how to uh you know cater for your audience somewhat um the only one i really don't do and i avoid like the plague because i'm 34 now is tiktok i'm just no i can't i I don't understand it i don't think i ever will bring back myspace um so yeah when it comes to like socials and and promoting and stuff like that I kind of, I I do a lot of that when it's like managing the band in general. We kind of all take our lumps a little bit, so we all try and you know contact venues, try and get gigs. Um, there is one thing I do. I just remembered. I saw out the shirts. Yes, Jimmy's merch man. I saw out merchandise. 
Yes, of course. Yes, I do. Jimmy's hype man and there gets all the merch sorted. Yeah, I do. I send out the shirts. I do. I sort out the merch and uh, I bring it to the shows and I send it out when uh, we get buys. Here's, our, here's our shipping, man. Holy crap. I, I do do something yeah. amazing. <laughs> well, to be honest, you know, yeah, it's, that's that's income for the co- for, I said you said the company. I've been at work too long. Jeez. Um, <laughs> for the band, not a company. When nothing works, PLC. Um, but yeah, we, we all kind of... Uh, try and take our lumps a little bit and try and contribute and and um divvy things out like um another thing i've i've said recently is just like social media is exhausting so i will sometimes just go to someone's like can can someone else do it for a little bit or at least like monitor the the dms or or you know post this because it's not it's not a case of we get a billion likes or comments or anything like that. Um, we get the opposite of that. I think if we could get negative likes, I think we'd get them. Uh, but it's trying to think of things to post all the time, trying to, I won't say stay relevant because that's not the point of this band. We're, we're just here to, to have fun and, and play shows. But in order to get people to come to those shows, you can kind of still do have to stay relevant somewhat. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I do a lot of the artwork as well because um, I taught myself how to use Photoshop, uh, which is why some of the artwork is god awful, uh, <laughs> and some of it actually looks pretty good. Stay tuned for the next single. I quite like that one, even though it's just a photo of a toilet that Michael took while he was in Greece, and I oversaturated it with filters. It's you know. Yeah, it does look nice actually. That's the way it has to go sometimes. Um, take this photo, okay? Um, let's put it for a blender. Um, but yeah, so like I say, we, we all kind of kind of chip in for for a lot of stuff, um, unless it's loading in the drums, which we try and let Adam do because they're heavy. That's a nice collegiate attitude to drums. It's good, good to see, good to see. Cool. So, what would you say? And you can have different answers to this. I know, to almost expect you to have different answers to this. What would you say has been the biggest success of the band so far? For me personally, it has been like ticking off a load of venues. Um, I think Jim will have specific venues more so, but like being able to say, yeah, we played the Fighting Cox. Yeah, we played Scala and, and, you know, the Black Heart. And having not been really a musician for a long time or just like a home musician making noise in, in, you know, in Pro Tools, being able to go out and go, I've played, I'm playing a gig in London this week. I'm playing in Camden. Like it's it's just a massive tick off the list for me that I didn't think I'd ever get to do, um, and just being able to like release music and go, that's me, that is, that's my song, I wrote that, or I, I helped write that, and you know, it's like I did that. Look, Mum, I'm famous. You know, it's it's <laughs> for me personally that that's it's yeah, that's that's been a big thing for me. You know, thing I'm most proud of. Uh, success wise. Mm, we have moderate success. Like Coward's been our biggest single and has been since it got released. Uh, nothing's really kind of come close to that since. Um, in terms of like analytics and, and plays and things like that. But, you know, it's it's a lot of work to get on playlists and, and stuff like that these days. Yeah, I suppose for me, um, headlining South End Chinneries, that was like dream come true. I said it earlier, playing face down at the Scala. Admittedly, we were upstairs and not in the main room, but still to tick that off the list was cool as anything. Um, headlining Colchester Coda, that was cool. Headlining the face bar at Reading was really cool. 
um, headlining the Fighting Cocks in arguably the best 20 minute set you'll ever see in your life was so cool. That was that. In fact, I'm going to bring that one back because you were talking about nightmare gigs. Everything leading up to that gig was an absolute nightmare. And I'm going to, can I, can I tell this story? Is that all right? Yeah. Wicked. Thank you. I just, he, he, the gentleman nodded his head, by the way, for people wondering why it all went silent. He did. We did get a yes. Um, so what happened was, was we were due to headline the fighting cocks in Kingston. So it's just like, wow, what, what an honor this is. This is cool. It was a four band lineup. And, uh, I was like, Oh, we'll get about 40 minutes. In the end, all the bands got half an hour. It was like, all right, cool. Whatever. That's cool. So, um, Adam set up his drum kit. We're sound checking, blah, 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 blah. The sound engine is late, by the way. Then he's here. So already 15 minutes gone. Adam set up his drums. We've done the sound check. Cool. Then it's right. We've got to get the next drum kit on. And it's just like, what do you mean the next drum kit? And the drummer in the second band wanted to use his own drum kit. So instantly it's just like for, for context, go on. Like for context, he wasn't left-handed or anything. He wasn't like a different drummer. He just wanted to use mm-hmm. his drum. So kit. he used his, he, so Adam just went, so was there any point me bringing my drums? And the promoter was like, uh, and the drummer from the other band's gone. Oh yeah. Everyone can just use my drums. Adam was just like, just shook his head and was just like, I'm just going to pack up my drums and put them back in the car. So anyway, we're doing the show. It's already running late. First band goes on. They get 25 minutes. They don't get half an hour because they're running late. Second band goes on. After a half hour time change, I want to add, they took half an hour to get on the stage. They play for 35 minutes. They absolutely gutted the entire evening. And I believe the promoter was in that band. So anyway, third band goes on. They've got to get their set cut. And then we go on. And after everything that's happened that day, we just came out and we were just like furious. Like we just come out and we've absolutely gone full guns blazing attack mode. Like like, we just lined up like it was just insanity. And the venue went off and it was just amazing. Like we only got five. I think we got six. I think we did six songs in the end. I think it it was like a four or five song set. And then we did an encore because you've got no rights like a minute long so we can afford to get that in but we were just like we just went full pelt and like normally I thank all the thank all the bands but that day I think I thank the band below us and that was it the other two bands were just like you don't deserve any thanks just up yours by by far the angriest gig that we've ever played and we all agreed the next day this is like that was one of the best gigs we've ever played it was it was just yeah, it was really, really good. It was a really good gig because everything leading up to it was an absolute shambles. So, yeah, if if we're talking successes, that was that was a massive success. That was honestly like a dream come true, just to headline the Cox, even through everything that was a nightmare. That venue is so cool. Like, there's a few of them, again, venue-wise. And to be fair, music-wise as well. Like, in fact, one of the biggest successes I had was the NWO shirt, we got an NWO style wrestling shirt done in the band's font. I remember having that idea pre like during COVID and my mate, Phil, he actually made the shirt for us. And I said to the lads, I was like, lads, this shirt will sell. So when we got the shirt done, we sold out of all of them. We sold out of all 20 shirts in like three days. I was like, I told you lads. Never doubt Jim on the merch. Certainly. Um, if you ever playing fighting cooks again, let me know. 
I'd love to go because it's my is near enough my local venue. My uh, one of my uh, not quite my penultimate question um, for you is what goals do you have for the band in the next six months to a year or so? I'm just gonna say growth, like in terms of um, the amount of because like we. I'll be honest, we haven't had like as good a start to the year as we did last year. We we got set off out the gates with like a load of gigs in quick succession. And this year we've kind of taken January off a little bit. Um we haven't played a single gig this year yet. But at the same time I wanna grow off of last year and play some new venues, release more music, make it sound better, make it, you know, just everything kind of lifting it up, um, just to see the band grow a little bit. Um yeah kind of kind of just seeing where seeing where it takes us because it is it is quite difficult um for a band our size with no budget to to grow you know we're we're never going to hit it on top of the pops wait that's still a thing isn't it uh, <laughs> oh no there's no, not um <laughs> that would be why uh so yeah we, like we we know we're not going to be you know, getting the the airplay soon, but you know, I've got a couple of goals, a couple of things that I'm trying to put into the works. I'd I'd love to get us featured on uh, BBC Introducing. Uh, I want to play uh, load more shows in like Camden. Jim wants to play up in the northeast where he's got family. So um, yeah, I kind of just want to expand our reach a little bit because we know we're not going to do this like forever in a day. Yeah, we've all got big boy jobs and and you know some of us got families so yeah just kind of see where it takes us and, and grow for the year yeah i mean in six months i'd like to have the next ep written and probably recorded by that point um i'll be honest in a year i just i genuinely don't see the band still being a band in a year and that's not being negative but as owen said we're all adults like i'm going to be 36 next year i know i look 25 but i am actually like 36 next year um and i want to move up i want to go up to see them sunderland for those who wondering what cm is it's just below sunderland i want to move up to the northeast with my partner i want to go you know i want to i want to get a house i want to be able to afford a house and i want to you know be able to do adult things and you know i know that sounds ridiculous but it's like in this day and age like i live in romford right now you know, I basically rent me dad's flat, but I know that's not sustainable forever. So, and I'm never going to afford anywhere down here. So, you know, I've got goals on that's what I see myself in a year, you know, or at least in 2024, like, don't get me wrong. If the band somehow gets a ton of momentum and it's just like, say, you know, I'm not saying like we have to be headlining the forum or Brixton Academy, which we might never ever do anyway. But, um, but you know what I mean? Like if we were getting on like decent support slots with bands and like, you know, stuff like that, then maybe I'd be like, Oh, I, I'm going to give this another year. But if, if it got to 24 and it was just like, you know, we're still just pedaling along then maybe I, pr I probably would just be like, lads, I'm sorry. I've got to go. I've got to go and move and change my life. And just give it another, you know, start looking at the bigger picture. I know that's a really, really like mad answer to give, but I've never denied it. I've, you know, I've always said like 2024, I'd like to look at moving up to the Northeast, you know, because I, I want to be able to afford a house. I want to be able to get somewhere to live and, you know, again, just have to focus on that side. 
it sucks, but it's uh, in that respect. But it's I'm only being honest about it. You know, that's that's what I see it in the year. We've always been quite realistic about our goals. Like I say, we we know we're never gonna, you know, hit. Well, we never know, but um, it, the odds are stacked against us at you know hitting the big time and things like that. And like like Jim says, we've all got personal goals. You know, Adam's got a family. Um, I've got loads of guitars. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. It, it it has a shelf life. Being in a band has a shelf life, and I don't think everyone realizes that when they get into it. Um, and we've said many, many a time that you know, isn't it great just to to tick some things off the list and say, yeah, when I was in my early thirties, I played Camden like six times in a year. That was really cool, weren't it? You know. So yeah, it's it's leveling expectations, like like you know, Jim has said, but also trying to trying to do the best we can for the year. And, and get new music out and and do what we can while we can. Being the greatest band on the planet can only go on. This is so true. Long. We, we'll just burn out eventually. That's so humble about it too. Exactly. The pressure's just too much. Well, fair enough. <laughs> so my um, my actual penultimate question now is: What is your best piece of advice for bands nowadays? Really deliberately vague question. Uh, don't do it. Um, no. No, in all honesty, do it, but just don't focus on trying to get massive. Just do it for fun. Like, you know, if, if it depends how old you are. If you're like 18, 19, 20, 21, and you're just like, we want to go and be the big, biggest band on the planet, cool, go out and do that. Give it a good crack. Like, you know, you've got time on your side. But if you're like in your late 20s, early 30s, and you're like, we're going to form a band and we'll be the biggest band in the world, it's like, no, you're probably not, mate, because you can't do that. Just go and have fun. Just enjoy it. Just, in fact, don't even focus about being the biggest band on the earth. Just go and enjoy yourself. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with having goals, but just have fun. Just, that's it. Enjoy playing gigs with your mates. Enjoy playing to people. It doesn't matter if there's only two people in the audience. Make sure them two people think you're the best band on earth. It happens to us all the time because we don't bring anyone to our shows. And the only people that do come to our shows are our partners. You know, and they think we're the best band on the earth, but that might also have something to do with the fact they're dating members of the band. Saying that, I I I think Fran's brilliant. My partner, she'd be like, ah, uh, you know, she she she'd probably just be like, yeah, you just I don't know any of your songs. I just quite like the fact you're my boyfriend in a band. She films us as well. She films all that and most of the stuff that goes up on uh, on our socials. Like, uh, bless her and shout out to Fran. Like, she films a lot of it from side of the stage. Uh, or in front of the stage, and uh, yeah, we get some very, very nice foot- footage and pictures to put on our uh, on our Facebook profiles for those of seven and to for me too. Fran is the best; she is the absolute best. But yeah, that's my advice. I just enjoy it. Enjoy your shows, guys. Just enjoy it. Just write whatever you want to write. Don't worry. Don't worry about being original. If you want to write basic three-minute pop punk songs, do it. Who cares? If you're enjoying the music and you're enjoying the shows, Blink One Eighty Two made a career out of that. So, <laughs> I'm not knocking it. By the way, I'm not mocking it. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd go with the same. Like, enjoy yourself. Um, but most like, if you want to grow, uh, my advice would be to like, and I hate using this word because it's such a business adult word to use, but network, like know people get to know people and like uh, to spring off of that be nice like be nice to people at, be nice to the sound engineer 
because I used to I studied sound engineering at, at uni so it's like be nice to us we don't get shouted out enough um, but yeah be nice to the other bands on the bill um, stay around for their set just don't walk off and get drunk at the bar if you can yeah, if you absolutely can. if you can if you can't the amount of times that we've had to go sorry lads we can't stick around because we've got a two hour drive back we're happening in uh, Colchester with um, uh, a band that's, uh, that opened for us they were really apologetic and we went lads don't worry because they had to drive back to Surrey from Colchester which you know is about as long a drive as I had that was, that's nearly two and a half three hours so bless them they were they were no it wasn't Surrey it was North London somewhere anyway not Colchester it's St Albans that was one um, so yeah they you know be nice to people just you know communicate well with them just like see their sets you don't you honestly you don't have to like polish it and, and just be fake nice to people you just go oh your set's really good when you really did think they were rubbish but at the same time don't do the opposite of that and <laughs> just go up to go you're rubbish you know um just give them a thank you and go good set just say that that's all you do because li- literally I, I, going back to our first gig at the, uh, my first gig with the band at the black heart um i literally didn't think anyone was around for our set I went downstairs to, you know, to load out and get stuff into my car and I passed someone in, in the hallway and it gave me a fist bump. I went, oh, you, really cool set, man. I really loved your set. I went, oh, cheers, man. <laughs> I didn't think anyone had really watched. And that guy, it was Naftali, actually, who came to our, our Sam Rich's club show and he's bought a couple of our shirts as well. Like, just really nice guy. And yeah, it felt genuine. It it could have not been, but you know, it turned out it was. Um, but yeah, it just it really made me feel just you know, cloud nine at that stage. Just like, oh yeah, I played the show and someone liked it. That was my guitar went massively out of tune and no one really. Oh, everyone noticed. Okay, well, fair enough. But yeah, no one noticed it because no one knows that song. That's, so that's all right. That's what my friends keep saying to me. I can sing anything I want on stage and no one will yeah, ever say anything. Um, about that, Jim. Do you want to tell? Uh, everyone about the lyrics that you put into some of the songs when you don't want to sing the lyrics <laughs> like the silence oh yeah what do Christina I sing Christina Aguilera oh god what do I s- oh yeah I sing Gene in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera I sing Sexuality by Billy Bragg um, no one's gonna know I sing 1999 by Charlie XCX just I just sing what I want sometimes just who cares yeah that's another bit of advice Change your lyrics and put pop songs or rock songs or whatever songs you want in your lyrics, mate. Don't care. Just change up your songs how you want to change them. Have, uh, have fun is the crux of it. I think what we're both trying to get is is just have fun because honestly, some of the best nights in the last eighteen months or so for me have been, you know, getting that buzz off of doing a gig and then going. Hey, do you remember when I walked when Jim walked outside the venue and started yelling <laughs> the lyrics to people on the street? Um, Sorry to the people of Camden for that. Um, or like, oh, was just just r- me running around in the circle pit when we played Dorsia at at, um, at Scala. You know, it's someone filming it, and then I see the video later, and it's just me in a hockey jersey just spinning around. It's like, oh yeah, I did that, didn't I? <laughs> oh, that was a good show. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like enjoying it is crucial. There's no point in taking it so seriously that you're not enjoying it. Because that's just a waste of time. 
totally so to close out the podcast i'd like you to ask uh for a song from the band that we can play at the end of the episode so which song is it and uh why uh the song is going to be nice work bone daddy which is our new single which will be out on the 24th of february i believe i think i've got that I've got that date right. So it'll be out on the 24th of February. You can get it on all your favorite sites like Spotify and Apple Music and Deezer and Pirate Bay and, I don't know, Kazaa and all the usual, Bear Share. Um, but yeah, that's the next single. That's why we want to play it because it's also a great song. It's an absolute belting song. I think the vocals are some of the best work I've ever done. And uh, I'm just really proud of the song in general. Like I am really proud of it. I'm not going to go into specifics, but it's a great tune. It is, yeah. It's it's generally a, uh, my favourite song to play at the moment, and that's not because it's the only thing I've been playing recently to learn it. It's literally been stuck in my head for the last three days, and I kind of love it and hate it at the same time. So, yeah, I hope it's stuck in everyone else's head now. Well, let's find out. So this is When Nothing Works with Nice Work, Bone Daddy. Um, guys, it's been really great to chat with you um, for this episode. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for your time. Stop!